This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming, Take the Black Podcast. We're here, and we're excited to talk about the finale, and we've got quite the large panel to talk about tonight. Uh, let me introduce to you the, I don't know, it's like a smorgasbord of the peanut gallery. First, let me introduce you to the guy who started this podcast way back in the day, Charles Evans, Bandit Ref. Say hi to everybody out there. Hi, everybody, and I apologize for what this podcast has become. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not it's not exactly the uh, the podcast he. You know, I, I gave it to you, and then yeah, so that's what happened. Well, you know, where can they find you, Bandit? On on the, oh on the, on the interwebs. Um, well, my Twitter handle is at banditref, and you can find me at bamahammer dot com, where I'm talking about all things Alabama and SEC football. If you're in that cross section of Game of Thrones and football fans, um, and if you have any complaints about what I say tonight, you can direct those to <laughs> at Turner Luke. On Twitter. <laughs> yes, at Turner Luke is the uh, the uh, complaint department for Take the Black. Also with us tonight, Corey Thone. This is your first time on Take the Black. Say hi to everybody out there. Hi, everybody out there. Where can they find you on the webs? Uh, Twitter, I guess, at Corey Thone. Or, <laughs> so you know. excited. Yeah, it's, well... Yeah, I don't. It's this whole season. Let's just keep going. Hi, everybody. He's really depressed, you guys. I, he can't. He can't really do it right now. He can't even. Uh, also joining us is the Winter is Coming editor in chief, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan. Say hi to everybody out there. Hey everybody, uh, you can find. Dan? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. No, see, I'm talking over you. We just got to do warning myself about that. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on the on the interwebs if you want them stalking you or whatever. Sure. You can find me at Dan Selke, uh, but it's not really worth following. Just follow Winter is Coming at, at Wicknet. That's been more interesting. That, that is so good. That was I, Why didn't I think of that? All right. And then we have Annie Bundle. If you've read any of Winter, Coming, Winter is Coming's articles, you've probably read it from Annie because she is the glue that holds us together. Annie, 
Say hello to everybody out there and tell them where they can find you. Hi, um, you can find me at Annie Bundle. I'm pretty much that everywhere on the web. Uh, that's a- at A-N-I-B-U-N-D-E-L and A-N-I-B-U-N-D-E-L uh, dot com. Awesome. And uh, you guys should give her website a, a real good checkout. It's got a lot of cool, interesting things, and uh, it'll be worth your time. Um also, fun fact, Annie will be joining us permanently next season when we start our podcast back up again sometime before the season start, season six starts. So Hooray! she will be a permanent member of Take the Black. So, uh, yay, yay. And then I want to introduce to you the guy who wasn't there last week. We thought we had lost him forever, but guys, give a big round of applause for at Turner Luke. Luke, say hi to everybody out there. Hi to everybody out there. <laughs> I'm also on Pinterest, Luke Turner 01. <laughs> If you guys want to follow any of my uh, DIY or cosplay boards, see, I should have I, I should have pitched my Zanga. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much, Luke, and I'm so glad you joined us. And rounding out, last but not least, definitely not least, let me introduce you to my lovely co-host, Isis Melton. Say hello to everyone out there. Hey guys, it's uh, good to be back for the final installment of the season's Take the Black. Uh, you can find me on the internet at I-J-A-M-E-L-T-O-N for Twitter, and you can find me on Tumblr, superhero-omightyisis, and you can also find my articles on Lightly Buzz and maybe soon on Bama Hammer as well. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Okay, so... Uh... If you couldn't tell by most of the reactions from, like, Corey and, and, and Isis, people are not feeling too well about last night's episode. So we're going to get right into it. And Isis, as I do with every podcast, I'm going to start with you. Um, we're going to start at Stannis' story, and we're just going to stay with his story till the stoic end. So tell me how you felt about the way Stannis' story played out as a show watcher. As a show watcher, I was really conflicted about, okay, you know, he – you know, has this confrontation with this group, and obviously he's losing the battle. Um, and, the, and then, of course, you know, all his people have gone away. So I knew instantly this was not going to go well for him. Um, but I, I just, I mean, I was really conflicted because I really wanted him to go ahead and wreck the Bolton dicks, and then that didn't happen. <laughs> and so I, I'm really conflicted because I, I do want him ultimately to die, but. Not you know, not at the hands at the you know of the Boltons or, or. You wanted him to ultimately die, but not at the hand of the Boltons. So, yeah. do you think that last scene with Brienne? Do you think your girl cleaved his head in twain? No, I he was I I don't know. I was watching that whole scene and I, and it looked like he was like looking off behind her, and so. Um, I don't know if he like maybe spotted Pod or and not that Pod really can do a whole lot, but I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that this didn't end well for Brienne, and uh, and then Stannis is going to live to fight another day. That's just my opinion. So there is a there's a fun theory floating around right now, and it's basically a show watcher only theory uh, that they showed Pod picking up his axe for a reason, and that. That whole last scene that Stannis actually said, do your duty, he was talking to Pod, and Pod was like, and he cracked Brienne the skull. I doubt that really happened. But, you know what, this is Game of Thrones, and, uh, you know, everybody's got a theory and opinion, so, like a like buttholes. Anyway, so, you think that uh, Stannis probably survived, and that's, that's, you know, that's kind of a fairly popular opinion. Luke, as our other anchor for this podcast, and the guy who wasn't here last week, tell me, give me your thoughts on Stannis' story, because... I know you're not a Brienne fan, but you are a Stannis fan, right? I mean, I'm sorry. You're not a Stannis fan anymore. 
I, uh, yeah, Stannis died last episode. Um, <laughs> so there was a part during this episode where it kind of like blacked out. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, but I will say that um, if you don't see a body, they're probably not dead. If if we've learned anything, so I think I think he died. Maybe who knows? I don't give a shit um, either way. You don't care what happens to Stannis, even even if it's Brienne that did it. I'd like Not to point really. out something. Yeah. Um, of everybody today, there were no interviews with Stephen Delane on his death. Oh wow! If you I, and I went through everything that was printed on Game of Thrones, there were lots of people who went out and like talked about the end of House Baratheon, but nobody actually like stopped and said and interviewed him and had him say, "I'm dead." And that would be if we don't hear a closing interview on him soon. That's normally a telltale sign, especially if EW's not running it since they had an all access pass to Game of Thrones this season. I mean, um, the fact of the matter is, is they were really concentrating on Kit, so I'm thinking maybe there might be something tomorrow. But as of right now, no, there is no confirmation that he's actually dead. Uh, Dan, um, from from the perspective of a guy who's read the books, who writes about this kind of stuff every day. Uh, I know you and I talked about uh, Stannis being Stannis up to the up to the Stoic. What we thought, what we kind of perceived was his end. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you like the story? Of did you feel like it was kind of rushed with him being abandoned so quickly, and then everything just kind of going downhill? Yes, you did. Was that my mouth? Did a very good job. Uh, yeah, of all the stories tonight, I thought that was kind of the most that could have benefited from a, a long another episode. I liked it. I liked the way he died. I, I did like his last words. I like Brienne executing them. I didn't expect it to happen so soon. And I do wish we got a little more time to see. I accept that his men abandoned him. I wanted to know a little more about why. And the big question mark for me was Melisandre's kind of running off with what seemed like little in the way of uh, inspiration to do so. I wanted to know more about that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it, that, that all happened a little too quickly. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It seemed kind of a shock. Corey, you and I talked about this earlier today. Type in with your Melisandre thoughts. I, I don't know. It seems like she realized the second that they said, oh, all the cell swords left and the horses are gone and whatever else, uh, the baby got thrown out with the bathwater that, or no, she got burned. Anyway, it's a, uh, <laughs> she was like, oh man, I guess I, I guess I misinterpreted the visions or maybe she felt like the Lord of Light had abandoned her. I don't, I don't really know. She, she knew that it was over. Like when she heard that, she was like, oh, well, we can't win. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to peace out. And she left. I don't know. I mean, they didn't do a great job of explaining why she didn't say a word. And, you know, she gets up to Castle Black to serve as, I guess, some type of red herring or whatever for the end. I don't know. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, there are two different camps about that theory. And we'll get to that later on in the episode. But, uh, Charles, let me ask you this. Uh, Mm -hmm. You bandit. I'm sorry. Let me ask you this: okay. Is this uh, is this something? Is this show her an attitude? Is she just really that bad at being Gandalf, or is she? Is she? Well, she, I don't really think of her. Yeah. Okay. First off, I don't really think of her as Gandalf. I think of her more as the Westeros Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> so <laughs> she's not Gandalf. She's not like Thou shalt not pass. She's more like, hey, if you send me a, another. Di- uh, another donation to the Lord of Light, then you yourself can become king of Westeros. Ollie, <laughs> you got to have faith, and you got to send me money, and you got to burn people. And <laughs> so, like, oh like at some point, 
like a televangelist, part of being a scam artist is knowing when the scam is up and knowing when it's time to cut and run. And so I think like all other good scam artists, Melisandre was just like, yeah, it's time to bolt. It's time to get out of here. Uh, because she, I don't think she's really committed to anything except for herself. And I don't know that she's as power. I mean, I understand that she had a shadow baby. Um, but other than the shadow baby, I haven't seen her do a whole lot that I've found terribly impressive. So um, I don't think she's nearly as powerful as she makes out. I think she's just Stannis was a bit of a sucker. Because he wanted to, he he wanted to win so badly. He was he, she seemed like she had a way to do it, so he gave into it. Um, as far as Stannis dying, um, you know, I, I generally hope everyone dies. So I, yeah, you know, I, I'm on the side of the White Walkers. Yep, Team point. White Walker right here. Team White Walker. So um, I want everyone to die, and I want it to be as horrible as possible because I, my fandom is rooted in the fact that I am in awe of the master troll of our generation or of our time and that is george r. r martin and i hope he continues to troll the heck out of everyone okay so we saw stannis be abandoned by melisandre it was all asses and elbows from there and uh you know i kind of had a problem and let me ask you this dan because you and i also mentioned this a little bit what what do you think about the ineptitude he showed was it an aptitude that he showed by force marching to winterfell instead of turning around and going back to castle black or was it more of a resignation to his to his fate? I think it was Stannis being Stannis. I mean, I think he lost everything, but he's like, nope, not going to turn back, going to go forward, got to do it, not going to go back. That's just what he does, and it ended up uh, costing him. He just set his jaw, grit his teeth. And I mean, to is it an aptitude? Sure. It, it, I think it's kind of a potato-potato situation. Yeah, I mean, I kind of – my problem with this was is he's supposed to be the, the greatest – army commander, the most, the greatest battle gener- general of Westeros, mm-hmm. and he kind of just, I don't know, farted away his chances, you know. And I mean, I, what I liked about that scene, and this is what makes Stephen Delane such a great, char- a great actor for Stannis, is when he saw the Bolton men riding towards him, and I have questions about that, by the way. I want to know if those Bolton men were actually the swords that, did they sell their swords mm-hmm. to the Boltons? I want to know that. And obviously we don't have the answers yet, but... Um, when he saw them riding towards him, he just said, yeah, you know, fuck it. It's over. <laughs> yeah, so let's, I'm, I'm just going to draw my sword and just kill everybody. And, and he basically he basically did kill most of everybody. That's not Stannis, at least not the Stannis that we had up until this episode. That's not your Stannis. Well, that's just, I'm just, if he's like the, the best military mind in Westeros, and he's this huge narcissist, and he sacrificed his entire family and his person to get to this point and then to be like well i guess if my wife's dead and the red lady rode away i'm just gonna go ahead and ride into my death because he knew he had no chance of winning that doesn't make i didn't understand that part of his decision to me it just seemed like it was an insanely bad decision that i couldn't i couldn't figure out with his character up until that point like i'll burn my child to make sure i i can win this but then when i don't have the men i'm just uh, screw it so, I don't know. It it did kind of seem like uh, Shiring's death was absolutely pointless after that. Like, I realize that her death signifies his downfall. He made the wrong choice. And by burning his daughter, and Dan, to answer your question, I think the reason his army left was because they saw him burn his daughter, maybe? No, I, I, I think was, you're right. Of course, they would have gone into it a little more. Yeah, exactly. And things kind of went too fast for my for my taste. Like, he he wakes, he basically wakes up. Melisandre comes in while he's putting on his armor and eating his Cheerios, and then it goes from 
from, oh, the, the cell sword's left, to, oh, look, your wife's in a tree, to, oh, the red lady's out. So, did you know, the and then mo- now we're just going to walk. Did the, did the Mind of Man see a guy write this episode? Uh, I'm not sure. Hold on, I'm looking it up now. But I'm just wondering, because you're right. That just seemed like sloppy writing. So I thought, you know, one of the Mind of Man see there's a guy who wrote for Mind of Man This was his other big credit that has been writing episodes of Game of Thrones this season. And I feel like that's an important thing to mention. It's I don't Mind believe you. of Mencia. Okay, well, I'm looking up this guy He's right gonna now. He's going to look it up. He's going to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to leave Stannis a story here, and we can come back to it if you guys feel like you want to talk about it. But let's go ahead and stay close to Winterfell. Uh, we didn't get a lot of Boltons this episode, Thank which God. is kind of surprising. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a Bolton fan, although I am a fan of the actors. I'm not a fan of the Boltons. Uh, we didn't see Roos. We haven't seen Roos since, what, episode 7, when, whenever he was talking about the, the you know having a siege instead of taking out you know, shirtless 20 men to go take out the camp. Uh, so um, I don't know where Bruce is at. There's a lot of theories that the actor either was filming something during that time or that Ram- we're going to find out that Ramsey actually killed his father next season and took and, tried, and killed Fat Walda and decided that he was going to be the Warden of the North, which I find really strange, but whatever. You never know what's going to happen on Game of Thrones. Um, but let's talk about our little dove, Sansa. And Bandit, I know you're a huge fan of Sansa, oh, and I'm going to get you up for real this one. She's she's, she's real, real to, to you, me. yeah. And I feel like if we don't talk about let you talk about Sansa first, that we're stealing your agency. So I want you to I, talk. It about is it is totally stealing my agency because she is so real to me. Um, here's what I hope happened. I thought it was very dramatic Sansa's story this episode, and um, I enjoyed the fact that after all the Darth Sansa talk and everybody getting so excited, she's still terrible and helpless. And um, she jumps off the side of the building, or the side of the wall of Winterfell with Reek. And so what I'm really hoping, the opening shot next season is just Sansa with a broken neck at the bottom of the wall. That's, oh that's what I'd like to see, because she is the worst. Sansa, look, the deaths of so many people are directly linked to Sansa being Sansa. Like, Sansa has killed so many more people than, like, Littlefinger has killed. Because Sansa got her dad killed um, because she <laughs> wanted to be king or queen. She got uh, – Sansa got her own dog killed. Sansa has gotten so many people murdered just by being selfish. So I'm not a huge Sansa fan. I will say, though, the Reek part was awesome. And when Reek pushed um, – uh, Miranda? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the Bolton um, hussy number one. When he pushed her off, the that noise when her head hit the pavement was amazing. Oh. That, was, that, was, that was the single best CGI um, work of the entire season. It was not the dragons. It was not, uh, like you said, Razor, uh, Danny's tiny little short dwarf legs on the back of the dragon. Um, <laughs> it was the sound of her head hitting the pavement. That, I, I'm going to have to buy some cantaloupes and see if I can make that noise. I mean, that was, awesome. that was sickening. That was, that was amazing. That was well done. Um, so I actually kind of enjoyed the Reek finally getting pushed too far, but we were also talking about the kind of the laziness. We felt like there was some laziness in the writing. The writing wasn't great, and it's, it was rushed. Um, I feel, again, with Reek's story, like that, the, the bow and arrow pointed at Sansa's what did it? Like that's what pushed him over the edge? Or was it because he couldn't? He still can't stand I, – I still want to see if he can stand up to Ramsay because, yeah, okay, you stood up to this girl when she was threatening Sansa, but he still – I actually have a Ramsay. reason for that. Um, if you remember, Miranda was part of the reason why his dick got cut off, and she kind of half-raped him at the time. So for her to reference that Bolton will basically put a baby in Sansa's belly kind of drew that back. 
And I actually made that connection. I don't know if a lot of other people did, but I made that connection, and I thought that that was part of what pushed him. That's a good, really That's fair a good point. Corey, That's great. So Corey and I were talking about this earlier. Corey and I were talking about that we're probably going to come back next season and see a, a paraplegic Sanja just sitting in the snow. Ramsey coming back and putting babies in her. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be that would be the Sandy story. And you boned that... at my broken neck comment. <laughs> and then you <laughs> turn around and say that. Ah, steal my agent. My, my problem right. with with the Sansa, actually, we just thought lazy writing in general, was how every single storyline had to end with a question mark instead of a period. Like, they couldn't even give us a dead Stannis. They couldn't give us... Sansa landing and getting a chance to run away. They couldn't give us Daenerys. If you go through every storyline, it's like it just ends with, and guess we'll guess I have to wait and see what happens next season on Game of Thrones. And why can't you did you didn't you didn't put a period on anything except for Jon Snow? And because of all the fan theories and bringing Melisandre up to the castle, you couldn't even put a period on that. It just felt like. Very lazy is a good word for it. I think just I don't know. I just it just felt like they didn't give enough time to set anything up, and then it all just happened at once, and none of it was executed as well as it could have been. Isis, let me ask you this: um, you we've talked about Sansa in depth in the in our other shows, and I like Charles was saying I'm one of the people who was who was on board with Darth Sansa this season, and that did not happen. Uh, what do you think? How do you think her? How did you feel about her story ending the way it did? It was boring. It was lazy. It was, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It was just, I mean, the whole entire season to me, I felt like, you know, things were just happening to her instead of her being an actual player in the game, which last season, you know, on Take the Black, we had talked about, oh, maybe she's going to be a real player. I wasn't really buying into the hype. But, uh, but I mean, she just, I mean, it just proved what, you know, what her character is. She's, I don't. I don't have many high hopes for her next season either. So, uh, to be honest, if anybody was going to die, I, I, you know, this is the thing: is that as badass as Arya was this this episode, I wish Sansa was that way. I fully expected Sansa to use that corkscrew for something other than exactly. A lot. I was really, really hoping that she was going. She was going to be an active person participant and someone who's actually going to die at her hands versus you know she does something and somebody else kills gets killed because of her uh i thought maybe you know she was going to go after that girl and and you know hit her with the corkscrew or something whatever but i just felt like it was just it was really really boring and you know it was kind of like she looked over at reek and reek looked at you know at her and and they both just jumped and I was just like, oh, my gosh, please. I, if anything, I would have pushed Reek back, and I would have jumped myself, and I would have ran. But, I mean, that's just me. Don't lie. You would have pushed Reek off the wall yourself. I probably would have. Pushed- I probably – I would have been like, thanks for saving me, and then I would have pushed him off and, like, you know, where that other girl was. So, anyway, I just – I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Sansa, and like I said, I think that she has more reason to be a badass like Arya, you know, and she she just isn't, so – it's yeah. Obviously, more has happened to Sansa this entire series, whether it's her fault or not. Yes. Uh, it more has happened to her than probably anyone else. I would say that. Uh, Luke, would you agree with that statement? As is Sansa just the perpetual victim, or is she a victim of her own ridiculous uh, inability to act on on things? Well, I think everything that's happened to her is probably her fault um, up until this <laughs> point. Um, Amen, brother. Preach. 
What sucks is like there is no hope for her even going into next season because they killed Jon Snow. I mean, the the only the, the per, she's escaping from Winterfell, and the only relative that she knows that or that she thinks is alive is Jon Snow at the Wall. So no, she, you know, no, 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 incorrect. She knows that the <laughs> boy, she knows the younger brothers are alive. I'm, I'm sorry. So she I'm, doesn't I'm, know that I'm one sorry, of them I'm is sorry, a tree. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was talking. Um, so I think she's going to head to the, uh, I think she's going to head to the wall and then she's going to get there and Jon Snow is going to be dead. And then she's, I mean, I don't know. Well, I I take that back because I, I was thinking it would take her all season to get to the wall next season. But if she can find the same wormhole that Littlefinger and Stannis use. Um, and to get a, a, Yeah. She had a teleporter. Yeah, th- there's some kind of teleporter somewhere. Um, she could use that and get there pretty quick. Then maybe she has hope for the second half of the season. You know, something that just, I, I, and I don't mean to interrupt you guys, but something just dawned on me is that they might have been giving us just a straight-up Thelma and Louise ending with Sansa and Theon, and maybe they just held hands and jumped, and we'll never see them again. And wouldn't that be great? I would be all aboard. I would be on that. I'm, I'm with you. I'm fine with it, that. It's the fall that's going to kill you. <laughs> you ready, Theon? I'm ready, Sansa. <laughs> Annie, Annie, you seem to be. You seem to have your opinion about this. I want to hear what you have to say about it. Oh well, the fact of the matter is, is that Sansa still has her. She knows the younger brothers are alive. Um, she doesn't know that Bran is a tree, which is kind of an issue. Um, but Rickon is out there for her to find, along with Osha. Um, Yara is out there for Theon to find. They don't have to go to the wall. I mean, we all assume that they're going to survive the jump, even though the fact of the matter is is that Miranda fell from a slightly less high height and died rather spectacularly. Um, but, you know, uh, Sansa apparently, I don't know, maybe her dress functions as a parachute. Um, but yeah, that's a, I basically think that uh, she's going to look for the little brothers. I don't think she's going to go to the wall and look for John. Maybe, maybe she used Theon as a cushion. <laughs> they used the snow. The snow was down below. Yeah. That would have been the best mm. thing to make sense, but you know, Shireen willingly gave herself to melt the snow, so there was no snow for them to jump in. Willingly. Anyway, Dan, let me ask you this. Um, what did you think of first the fact that basically the barrel auger, which you so cor- you so correctly uh, looked up last couple of weeks ago, and uh, what do you think – was that a big, huge red herring? I mean, she basically used it to unlock the door. That wasn't a red herring. I mean, she picked it up, and then she used it. I think just because we think about it so much, we see her pick it up. And we have the time and the imagination to think of all these cool things she could do with it, and it ends up she opens a door. I kind of think that's the same thing that happened with the whole Darth Sansa thing. Like she walked down some stairs, and I honestly don't I don't think that the producers ever thought people would take it as far as they did and kind of interpret, oh, she's gonna be a player, she's gonna be cool, she's gonna be start doing stuff. I think they just had her walk down some stairs. And I and, and a I, black dress. Yeah, you know, black dress and a black dress. She never worn black before. So it's just interesting how little things they do can balloon up and we build them up so much that when they don't come to pass, we're like, eh. Isn't that the mythos of this whole show? Like, basically, uh, the showrunners, I feel like, are creating, just like George R. R. Martin himself, are creating, like, this master, 
this masterful art of trolling. Like I think they set us up for things like this. I think they leave things like this not answered. I mean, basically, they they gave her everything but a red lightsaber last season at the end of the season, and and then this season she's still with Littlefinger. She denies Brienne's help. She rides north. She decides to go marry Ramsay when Littlefinger gave her the option of not marrying him. Although I don't know if, if he would have forced her if she just said no, but she decides to go. And then she right up until the her wedding night, she's she seemed like she had power. I mean, she, like she, she never exercised anything, though. We didn't know. We figured she would start. <laughs> there was no way to know. So Sansa and, and Theon jumped off the wall, uh, mm-hmm. and like Annie mentioned, uh, vastly. I think there's a vast difference in the height <laughs> that Miranda fell from. The only difference is Theon and... And Sansa will probably use her dress as a parachute. I like that idea. And um, and Miranda just used her face to land. Uh, I wouldn't recommend so, that. Not smart. No, nah, not smart. Not not a good idea at all. But into it. <laughs> before we leave this storyline, and I wanted to hit on this during uh, Stannis' story, but I forgot to. Um, and Corey, since you're up, I'm gonna ask you this. Um, what do you think about Brienne missing the candle in the tower just like a minute, like not even a minute, like three seconds before Sansa puts it in the, in the window? What do you, again, do you think that's a case of sloppy writing or is it something that they're trying to make Brienne look stupid? <laughs> well, if they're trying to make Brienne look stupid, then it's not sloppy writing, is it? But because <gasps> they have made oh, her look like the oh worst. my god, you just angered the sand snake in our group. <laughs> Do we have a sand snake? Because then I'm not terrified at all. Because they're useless. Teenage mutant sand snake. Brienne. If Brienne actually killed Stannis, which obviously they they didn't give us anything you know solid on that, then that is that makes her one for eight hundred on her oaths. So I guess <laughs> good job and. I don't understand. Just having her turn and walk away the second the candle goes up, to me, that seems kind of lazy. Having her just, like, know where Stannis is laying down next to a tree in this massive battlefield to walk up to him, that just felt kind of lazy to me. And, I don't know, her little speech seemed... I don't know, that might have been on purpose. She's probably... How many times do you think she's practiced, like, the character Brienne in her head has probably practiced that speech she gave to Stannis a a million times. So maybe that's why... It sounded a little wooden because she was, you know, just repeating it like she had a million times. But I don't know. It just felt so, I don't know, circum- like just, hey, it, this happened, then here it is, and here I found him. And it's like, oh, but the candle, I don't know. It just seemed, I don't want to call lazy because I feel like these people, these writers, I've seen the other seasons of the show. Surely there's a reason. But, man, as it sits right now, I'm just like, that's that's lazy. Well, you and I were talking earlier today, and you made a great point. I'm willing to give them; they've earned enough credit to, to, to earn a bad season. Oh yeah. Every every great show series goes through a bad season. It's happened in. I mean, look at The Wire. Well, you and I were talking about The Wire, using that as an example. That had like two bad seasons, what? like almost two full bad seasons. No, 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 so, no, no, no. I said the not at all. <laughs> the Wire is amazing. I said The Wire's first two seasons are slow, and then the eighth, ninth, and tenth episode, or whatever, the last three episodes made them worth it. So like I was compared to hard home happened and it was like, Oh, so that episode was amazing. We have two episodes left. They're going to tie all the terrible, horrible things we've seen this season into uh, a big 
story arc that they're going to finish and it's going to be great and we're going to have a lot of positivity going forward or something for the next season, but they didn't. So, yeah, don't don't well, ever sully the name of the wire again. I knew I knew I knew you had a strong opinion about the wire, and I was talking to Ben about this earlier today. He didn't believe me because he's never watched the wire. But anyway, no, no, I didn't um, believe you because no, 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 I didn't believe you because <laughs> you say no, no, I didn't believe you because you say everything is amazing because you think everything is wonderful. A, you're you're like you're like hey, that third Transformers movie, man, that was pretty good writing. You know, like you, dude. <laughs> I don't know where the line is with you. I can't judge off your opinion anymore. He's a puppy dog. He is. I, oh, we, my we gosh. Love Jeff, dude, absolutely yeah, I am. You're the nerd version of a puppy dog. She's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is apropos. I agree with that. Um, Stan, uh, not Stannis. Oh, my God. Isis. Uh, let me ask you this question. Since you are a huge... You are a huge Brienne fan, and guys, after after uh, Isis gives us her, her thoughts on Brienne, if you feel like you want to chime in on, on Brienne, go ahead. If not, we're going to move on. But Isis, what do you think about your girl's story this season and how it ended? Because you're a huge Brienne fan. I'm a huge Brienne fan. I was very disappointed about her her arc this season. I thought it was just a lot of sitting and waiting, uh, not a whole lot of action. And even when they, you know, I mean, I read this article today about how she, and I think she was an interview that she did, how she was applauding the fact that, you know, uh, her character and the development this season, I was just like, what the hell are you watching? What? Um, So it was, to me, it was really, really boring. I really expected a whole lot of stuff from her uh, this season. I'm not a book reader, so I I don't know her storyline, but uh, I expected a lot of, you know, dick wrecking and I I was sorely, (laughs) sorely disappointed in the lack of uh, the wrecking of the dicks. And then, so when she got to Stannis, I was like, okay, well, you know, let's go ahead and see it. You know, we, we hadn't seen, I don't think she had killed anybody since like, I guess, episode two or one or two. And so, uh, and I know that she's doing other movies and things like that, which is great. I'm happy for her and everything. But if, you know, if this is what they're going to do to Brienne, then you might as well just go ahead and kill her off. Because, I mean, this is, it was, it was just not a, a really good uh, portrayal of, especially after coming off of this, the last season, uh, of how involved she was in, in last season. It was just, it was just kind of sad. And to be honest, I like to see, you know, her and Jamie together. So b- because they're apart from each other, I, I'm just, um, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of it at all. Well, I, I like I said, I hope that um, she does catch up you know, after I, I mean, I hope nothing happens to Brienne because I mean, as far as far as I'm, I'm a show watcher, so uh, I hope nothing happened to her. And Stannis, you know, was like, "Do your duty" or whatever. I hope that was just him being stoic. And then we come back, and then she just kills him, and then she m- meets up with Sansa, and uh, and we can kind of kind of progress the story from there. If Sansa's going to stay alive, I need her to be protected by Brienne, which she'll probably get Brienne killed anyway. But let's, you know, <laughs> let's go on from there. But that's all I got to say about Brienne. I, I do love the character, and I love the actress that plays her. I love her. Oh, if, if Brienne meets up with Sansa and Reek, and it's Brienne, Pod, Sansa, and Reek. Man, that is the perfect Homeward Bound, the Incredible Journey sequel right there. <laughs> it is. That's yeah. amazing. They can just, you know, yes, 
Awesome. Reed gets hit in the face by Porcupine. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. There's a whole scene where they fall in some rapids and they've got to get out. Oh, it's gonna be great. Michael J. Fox can play Brienne. It'll be awesome. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, horrible person. We even where did you lose this podcast, Razor? Get it back. I, I'm telling you, I'm enjoying it. I never lost it. Anyway, uh, Bandit. Before we leave the North uh-huh. to come back to the, to the very end, but before we leave the North for now, um. What was your vision for the North? What was your optimal vision for season six opening up in the North? Oh, the you optimal vision for the uh, open up in yeah. the North? Okay. Um, I hope Sansa's dead because she <laughs> keeps getting other people killed, so I would like to see her get killed. Um, uh, Reek, you know, I feel like they his story – again, uh, by the way, I did look up our Mind of Mencia writer. His name is uh, Brian Cogman. And uh, he is uh, Mr. Minamencia right there. Uh, it looked, well, I mean, he was, a, he was an actor on Minamencia, and then everything else is writing Game of Thrones. And I will give him, though, he wrote some really good Game of Thrones episodes. So now I kind of feel bad for mocking him. But, um, yeah, so Sansa's dead. Um, I'd like to see uh, what's been going on with Hodor for the past year. You know, <laughs> I would like to see Hodor in the north, and he's built like a little villa, a little home for himself and maybe like the little elf creatures have built a workshop next to it and they're now building toys in it and Hodor <laughs> is like the Santa Claus of the north um I hope Jon Snow is dead and doesn't come back I hope he Pantene V he Pantene Pro V just checked out um and he's never coming back and the reason I hope that is because I love George R. R. Martin, his ability to troll and do things nobody expects, and I would love, after all of the fan clamoring about, oh, Jon Snow and Danny and all this, to be totally wrong. Jon Snow just dies, and that's it. We find out he was a Targaryen or whatever, but it doesn't matter because he's dead now. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be so George R. R. Martin, and it would mess with so many people's heads that they had concocted what they thought the story was going to be, and it's just not at all going to be that. Um, I would, you know, I, I had not thought about the pod comes up and cracks brand in the head. That's the long con. If, if pod has been playing this whole time to be this like half wit, like just, Hey, I'm the happy go lucky, really nice guy in Westeros. And then he cracked. That's the long con right there. Um, I would be really impressed with that. So that's kind of cool. Um, I, you know, but I got no, I got no love for Stannis. Um, Stannis is kind of like, the not nice Ned Stark. He's just as dumb as Ned Stark. He just does bad things. <laughs> um, so I'm fine with him. All the Starks need to die at this point because obviously the centuries of you know ruling house inbreeding have taken a toll on these people's intelligence, and they are just not fit to lead anything. The Boltons are evil, but at least they're not idiots. So I mean, at least they'll plant their crops at the right part of the year, kind of thing, you know. So I worry about the regular people with the Starks in charge. Um, so that's kind of my vision for the North. But yeah, no, everybody dies. The White Walkers come down, and Hodor becomes Santa Claus. That's really what I want to see. I can hear, I can literally hear thousands of nerds right now, like their minds just broke. You just broke everybody. Oh, they're furious at me. And if you have complaints, at Turner Luke on. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 leave the north. Let's get out of there. Uh, Hodor Claus is not is is not going to happen. All right, so um, let's go to everybody's favorite area in Westeros, and you guys know what I'm talking about. We're going to Dorne. Damn it. We're going where the sun is always shining, 
and oh. everybody wears the same clothes and has like team chants. Um, uh, <laughs> Luke, let me ask you this. We haven't heard from you in a little bit. Let me ask you: uh, Have you been a fan of the Dorn storyline? What do you, What did you think about it? And how do you think? How did you feel how it ended? Um, I guess it was cool when that one girl took off her shirt and we could see her boobs. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And, um, yeah, that was about it. <laughs> so, yeah, Luke's, Luke just wanted to see the boobs. Um, let me ask you this, Dan. You and I, again, we talked a lot about this episode. Uh, you and I talked about that, that last thing that Tyene said to Bron. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was so weird to hear that. Like, bad pussy. Like, I mean, what? Where did that come from, and was that just indicative of the entire Dorn story arc? I, don't, I feel like some HBO executive came by and just said, add in a line about pussy. People don't like it. Just, just, <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. It was, so, it was so, like, I don't know. It was like, girls gone wild thing to say. It was really weird to me out. Emblematic? I thought it was a... I think it's more pointless than anything else, Dorn. Like, I think... Pointless and half-assed. Let's go with that. I, I like that. Um, and do you think that we just completely wasted Dr. Julian Bashir and uh, Super Tall Axe Guy? Um, if they don't come back, yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure if they're going to come back or not. I, I feel like they included Dorm because people loved Oberyn a lot. And, which is the same reason George R. R. Martin included it. I think exactly. they failed in both instances. And if the same holds true, they will cut it out after they hear how they'll dislike it. Yeah, I can't see them bringing, like, to, to do the way they did Marcella, like, did you not think that Jamie and Bronn were either going to kill Tristane or throw him in the deepest, darkest dungeon in King's Landing when they get home? Like, well, I think Cersei will think, because he likes Marcella, I'm sure he'll be outraged. Yeah, but I mean, maybe he'll, maybe he'll think that it was a complete planned by Doran and everybody else, which we don't know if it was. I doubt it was, but we don't know what the long game here is. Maybe, I don't know, man. I, I'm so confused with the Doran storyline. Uh, Annie, uh, give us, give me your opinion on, on the Sand Snakes and, uh, you know, the, just the way everything went this, this season in Doran, because we were so excited for it. I, we were really excited for it, and, you know, the show did so much marketing prior to the actual season starting to make us love Dorn. And the fact of the matter is, is I think my favorite thing about Dorn are Alara's dresses um, and her hairdo and uh, Marcella's dresses and her hairdo. And yeah, they're really pretty, but there nothing happened. And it was basically kind of like reading the damn Dornish in the books. You know, you just kind of wondered, why am I sitting here reading this chapter? Can we please get back to, you know, the characters I actually bought this book for? Yeah. I, the books were way better than this, though. Even as bad as they mm -hmm. were in the books, they were still better than this. What were you going to say, Bandit? Well, I mean, anything's better than Dorne this season, right? I mean, um, it, it, it the thing about Dorne that ticked me off or bothered me is not just that it was boring. It was that none of it made sense. None of it made any sense. It was like a bad soap opera, okay? It's like we got – it's like it was written like it was the days of our lives, Westeros. Why was everybody standing around at the dock to see these guys get on the boat? We brought down uh, Dr. Julian because Bashir really and his pretty. gal. 
Yeah, it's a really pretty view. We brought we brought down Dr. Julian Brazier and his gout, who as you as we've talked about Razor, he the it just the moving of his chair is supposed to be painful for him because of the wind. So, the salty br- sea breeze is going to do wonders. How is he not screaming in excruciating pain? I don't know. So, we bring him down to and, and we have a we have a talk with everybody about what's going to happen down at the dock instead of in the palace. Um, then this one lady, she makes out with the girl, which unless you live in Georgia, you're not supposed to be making out with minors. I mean, that seems <laughs> wrong. Nobody even raises a comment about that. Um, it, it just, it, how did you not see that? But the thing that bothers me the most is that Jamie was awesome up to this. He was so much fun as a character until this season. I understand he's missing a hand, but even when he before he was missing a hand, he still had a snappy one-liners. He was still a lot of fun to watch. Jamie's personality in Dorn can best be summed up with this noise. <sighs> That's it. That's what he did. He just stood around in rooms and went, eh... He, he just everybody talked around him. He just stood there. He didn't progress anything. He didn't do anything. He was completely pointless. Even talking to Marcella, he was not the leader of that conversation um, until you know. Even when he had his tender daughter, father daughter moment before she bled out her nose and her brain exploded, um, it, it, the whole none of it made sense. None of it. And gosh, the Sand Snakes, you can't say how terrible they are enough. I mean, just. Awful. They were pretty awful. Yeah. Your favorite part was the pointy shoes. Yes, the elven shoes, the pointy little shoes. Yes. Hey, everybody get your signature weapon and put on your pointy shoes. We're going to go on a mission. Like it's 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 like it's, it's almost like a cartoon. I mean, it just made it was horrible. And make sure you remind everybody you're doing this for Oberyn. Yeah, make sure you yeah, talk about Oberyn a lot, all right? You're basically elves out to kill somebody for Oberyn. So talk about that a lot. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, I've seen episodes of G.I. Joe that were better written than that, all right? The scene in the G.I. Joe movie where Duke has a tear run down his face, that is so much better than the writing for Dorn. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Uh, Isis, let me ask you, you you and I have been talking all season long about how, you know, you like the attitude of the Sand Snakes, but but um, come on, this this was kind of pointless. Like, this ended up being the worst thing that Game of Thrones has probably ever done, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I felt the same way. It was pretty boring. It was, I mean, they hyped it up to be, and again, I'm not a book reader, so I was coming into this, you know, just listening to or reading what they were writing on Entertainment Weekly and all these other, you know, articles and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. We're going to see, you know, these uh, really incredible uh, characters because the, their father was such an incredible character on the show. And uh, it was I was less, left pretty disappointed at the end. Um, the only interaction that I really liked with the Sand Snakes was uh, with Braun. I mean, I thought that was like the best interaction with the, the Sand Snakes was, which is why they brought him to the to Dorne. Yeah, because I mean, he made it kind of funny, and you know, he was kind of given some snappy one-liners and everything, and and to see him kind of you know scared of one hmm. of the girls because you've never seen that before, like him actually scared of anybody, and uh, but he. Was kind of like oh crap this you know these girls they they got my number at least the one girl with the short hair and uh, so uh, but my Lucy Spice yeah her anyway my husband has a theory of uh, he thinks that she probably handed him brawn when she bit his ear or whatever and and uh, may have handed him the antidote. 
to maybe, you know, it's just his tinfoil hat theory. And I was like, well, I guess, I mean, I don't know why they would do that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. But then again, the whole season of Dorn didn't make sense. So whatever at this point. Yeah, it's because people continue to try to find ways to save characters on this show, be it like for the, for the TV show, like Jon Snow's dead. And a lot of people are coming up with all these reasons why he should be brought back to life and everything else. And, and none of them just stopped and said, yeah, but it's Game of Thrones, and, and, uh, and they, they don't give a shit what we think. And Look, Jon Snow is real to me. He is <laughs> my perfect little cinnamon roll. He was too good for this world, too pure, okay? He, he is real to me. Do not talk about my beautiful curly lock, gorgeous man. He's, I am holding out. I'm, uh, I'm on this island of denial that he is still uh, alive. You've got to start a Jon Snow as a cinnamon roll subreddit. That's that's great. <laughs> that's that's got to happen. I don't get it because they're short and round, and that's like the polar opposite of Kit Harrington. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe his butt is nice and soft and round. Okay, but there, it doesn't I smell like it. cinnamon. I mean, you don't know that. <laughs> uh, have you seen the unkempt masses north of the wall? Yeah, uh, his there's nothing cinnamony about that. <laughs> I mean, even Ygritte, when they took off their clothes in the cave, she was filthy. Oh, she was. Oh, they had to take a bath, and yeah, that was... <laughs> anyway, look, he's real oh. to me. That's all that matters, okay? Jon Snow is not dead. Did you see Did you see the episode? Did you... <laughs> <laughs> no, because I have, I have a theory that Melisandre is going to, like, he's still alive, and, like, she's going to have sex with him, and then, like, she's going to have some kind of, like... You know, Jon Snow baby come out. It's his dead body? Whatever. Yes. His dead body. Look, don't yeah. judge me. Necrophilia okay? so, is like the one thing we're missing from this show at this point. This is, so. You know what? That's true. <laughs> like, that's a box that has not been checked off yet. And, and little creepy Ollie is going to be like watching from the corner. Yeah. Little creepy Ollie watching from the corner. That's yeah. Ollie. Let's not get into Ollie yet. I want to save Ollie for the end. You hold on to that. Uh,. Let's let's finish our Dorn before we go too far down this John Hole, John Hole, John Snow <laughs> rabbit hole. Easy oh was that Isis or Razor that said that? I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, hey, John is real to me too. Damn you. Um, so Corey, I wanted to like get your a little bit more of your thoughts on this whole uh, Dorn thing. You and I were talking earlier today about, uh, you know, and, and Charles even said it. Uh, Jamie ended up being really stupid this season. Um. When you see creepy lady who tried to kill your your daughter niece, like plant a long, wet lip lock on your preteen daughter, what do you, what do you do? Do you go, oh, that was totally normal, and let's just get on the boat and go home, or do you like like wipe the lipstick off her face? What do you what do you do there? Take a picture because oh, lannisters are creepy. God. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, it, it's so obvious. It should be to Jamie that. I mean, the second that kiss happened, I turned to my girlfriend and said, "Yeah, that's poison lipstick, just like, just like Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin." But it's uh, poison ivy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it was so obvious what they were doing. Again, it was just painfully obvious, especially considering that Jamie knows enough about Dorn and Oberyn and the rest of those psychos down there that everything is poisoned, be it a knife. I mean, shit, Bron almost died. Because they had the sand snakes at Poison Blades. Like the second that happened, he should have been like, "Whoa, this is weird, kind of hot but weird." And 
<laughs> I just want to make sure your lipstick's not poison. I know that's weird, but you guys are weird, and 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 I don't know. The the thing that gets me is that the thing that gets me is that, is when she died, they showed the boat, and the you could turn around, come, <laughs> come, back, turn the turn the wheel, come back and say, hey, you with lip locks, McGee, you poisoned my daughter niece, and I have I have words with you about that, and you know then wheels would be like, hey, I told you I kill you, and you're daughters or whatever and i don't know at this point i don't know names of dornish people they're just annoying people but yeah that it doesn't make any sense that a that she chose a poison that would work that quickly because the boat's so close and b that the boat didn't turn around just ugh, ugh, dorn if it helps you i have names for the sand snakes it's the hot one the kind of hot one and slaglathor <laughs> hey. god you are so bad hey scrubs <laughs> Easy over there, Doctor Kelso. Oh, nice, listen, nice. Listen, job. that's why that's why he's my bro is because of the, the scrubs, the scrubs comments. Oh, razor! I think he found himself a new brown bear. I'm just saying. A new <laughs> <laughs> Charles, I would be concerned. No, I think nothing, he found himself. Nothing can, no, nothing can ever come between me and Razor. We're more secure nothing. than that. Um, well, hey, I'm. Can not we get lie. Can we get Braun and Jamie singing "Guy Love" instead of whatever song that was? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I thought Jamie for a second there, like when when she, it, she the daughter niece uh, admitted that she knew the the real story, and she has this big old smile. I, I'm not gonna lie. For like a half a second, I was like, this is kind of creeping me out, and I hope he doesn't kiss her because this is gonna be really <laughs> really strange. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I, that's, I was gonna. That yeah, was my. I was gonna a matter of fact, that. I tweeted that. I was just like, I feel really uncomfortable right now. Like where this conversation is going between Jamie and his daughter niece, and um, luckily that didn't happen, and she died. I mean, he could have done well, it. Luckily, she died. Yeah, luckily she died. I don't know, man. He, he, only he, in game, he, only in Game of Thrones is dying not the worst thing that could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I have to ask you this: like, should should Little girls in Westeros be scared to get hugs from their dads at this point. Who else died when they hugged her dad besides Marcella? Someone else? Shireen. Oh, right. She hugged, she hugged Stannis. She did. Yeah, it's been she a bad, did. bad year for little girls. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't hug I'm pretty sure those little girls that Marion Trent was having his way with before, they probably hugged their dads, too. Not Marion Trent. You don't know. I think they were orphans. We can't get into that. I have no idea what their stories are. <laughs> That is just that's too rough. I can't talk about that. Um, all right, so let's let's all like cleanse our palates of Dorn and let's go straight to the Walk of Atonement, the big moment of the season. Hooray! Cersei got her comeuppance. Um, I don't know about you guys. I was pretty like first of all, Lena Headey, in my opinion, is a phenomenal actress, and she totally sold that scene. Uh, it was better than the books for me. Um, not because of the weird, creepy Photoshop Cersei face and the oddly proportioned naked body. Um, it was just because of it was Cersei's facial expressions that sold that that entire episode. But um, Annie, this is a scene that you have been talking about for quite a while. And when you and I first started at Winners Coming Together, you talked about this a lot. I want to get your 
pick your brain a little bit about the Walk of Atonement. Uh, well, it was basically the highlight of Cersei's story. Um, it also is a turning point for her in more than one way. She basically, um, well, first of all, she's basically lying to get out of prison or telling selective truths to get out of prison maybe is a better way of putting it. I mean, her her confession to the High Sparrow was so political, I almost expected her to say something to be effective. You know, I, I'm sorry if the gods were offended. Um, but, <laughs> but she didn't. Um, and the thing about it is that, yes, Lena Headey really sold this. That's really what made this work. It was a very, very hard scene to watch. And even, no matter how you feel about Cersei, even if she is to you the worst villain there is in the show and you have seen no redeeming qualities in her at all, the fact of the matter is I don't think she deserved to go through what she went through. Um, and I think that uh, part of the performance was how she didn't break when she walked in the books at the very end, she breaks and she runs and she covers herself. And that didn't happen here. Um, she really did walk proudly all the way to the end until she got to the door. And, you know, that showed an inner strength that the character will carry forward, even if she will never really be in power again, at least not the face of power the way she was. Um, she, she still can, she can still wreak havoc, uh, Tyrion style from behind the scenes, and I think she showed that she has the inner strength to do it. That's a good. That's a good analysis of it, Luke. Let me ask you this: uh, I felt like there were a few too many uh, pinars in this uh, in the Walk of Atonement. Like like every guy she passed was opening up his robes and fondling himself in front of her, and I was like, at least women who go full frontal nudity, they get those things. What are they called? Merkins, <laughs> the cover up. The, the bottom half, but guys, these guys were just like laying it out there for everybody to see, and I was like, okay, first guy, okay, I get it. We're trying to be authentic. Oh, look, there's a second guy. Okay, I get it. All right, okay, the third guy. Why did we need the third guy? Oh, my God, the fourth guy. What could have made this walk more uncomfortable for you, Luke? I You kind of distracted me because I, I saw the first penis, and then I sort of like looked away, but apparently <laughs> you stayed and counted and watched <laughs> intently for extra penises is that what i'm gathering <laughs> yeah okay yeah, I um I, I yeah i didn't pay attention because there was the naked chick that was walking so i was looking at her not dudes in the crowd so i don't really know how to <laughs> okay. answer your question i guess that's i guess that's fair and thanks for being luke on that i appreciate that um Anybody else want to chime in on the Walk of Atonement? Anybody else have their opinions about it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to actually, and I'm the, I'm not a book reader, so I'm gonna have to disagree with. Hey, Amy. Isis, Isis, let me ask you a question yeah. real quick. Uh, have you read the books? I have not <laughs> read the books. I am an unsullied. I like to tell people that because people think I did read the books. Anyway, um, I didn't. I really had a hard time um, not trying to feel sad for Cersei. I really did. I was, I, I, I tried. And it, well, I was not successful. As a matter of fact, I was hoping that somebody was going to, like, fling poo at her at some point, And that I was kind of disappointed that didn't happen. A but, actually, actually, if you look at her shoulder, it's pretty yeah. clear that there is shit on her. And oh, then, I, is that food? I thought yeah, that maybe is. it was, like, rotted food or something like that. Because they were throwing yeah, all kinds yeah. of stuff. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay, well, then she did get poo on her. I still don't feel bad for her. Um, she has done way too many other things to the, – the, the fact that she was doing this walk, and, yes, she was showing how strong she was and that she could keep on walking and, you know, through all these things and everything. But let's be honest. You cannot go ahead and say that she's been redeemed at all or that, um, you know – other than the, her love for her children, she doesn't have really any redeeming qualities. Uh, she did this to try to get out of, uh, you know, out of there. And I have to admit that uh, at least Tommen's wife has the balls not to go ahead and, you know, try to get out of it. She's just still in jail as far as we know and still alive as far as we know. But, you know, Cersei is all about, you know, saving herself. And, uh, and I just don't feel like, you know, I felt like she deserved it, but I don't feel like she, you know, still feels any um, sadness or anything other than, oh, look at me, this happened to me and and all this stuff. I I don't know. I don't have any problems with her, all that stuff happening to her, to be honest. I really, really don't. Yeah, I don't either. I agree. And I thought the scene was probably too long. You could have cut that scene down and maybe shown Stannis dying or anything else that you didn't show us. But uh, the, the walk, I thought, was probably too long and then i don't think that she deserves any pity for me for that because i mean marjorie and the other dude who's useless in the show uh is is in jail because of her and it's so bad in there that she was willing to confess publicly to sleeping with her cousin to get out of it and they're still in there because of her and then she gets back to the keep and just falls right into the arms of mountainstein and they (laughs) You know, so obviously he's just going to wreck shop on everybody ever in inside of King's Landing. And, you know, that's going to be a thing next season is like her trying to kill the High Sparrow probably or whatever. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, she. That's the thing that got me is she created the, the she armed the faith militant. She she made the High Sparrow on the show. She brought him into power. And uh, so she. She uh, definitely reaped the whirlwind of her actions. Uh, I have to ask Dan this question. Dan, um, starting at the beginning of the season with uh, the prophecy, I guess they didn't call it the prophecy of the Valonqar in the beginning. They just called it the flashback. But was that – what what did that even have any point in this entire season? Uh, I, I don't feel like it connected. Because, you know, in the books, for the book, she, she thinks about that all the time. She's like, oh, that witch woman, oh, my kids, oh, the prophecy – um, I, I liked the walk. I thought it paid off the season because I wasn't a huge fan of her little story this year. I thought it was wildly appointed. I thought this sequence landed. I was compelled. I thought it was just long enough. I was shocked, like, how into it I was both times I watched it and didn't feel too long to me. Um, Marcella died, so that's two kids down. Yeah, she's down to one left. No, I, I, I don't really feel like it, it added a whole lot. I don't because... I don't feel that she was thinking about it. Maybe she was, but I didn't get that that was on her mind. If they would have put another flashback in this episode, that might have connected it, I guess. Or in the books, books, you know how um, she's... I mean, I'm glad they didn't do this, but in the book, she's walking down, starts seeing, like, people in the crowd, like the witch lady and that friend she was with and Tyrion everywhere and Sansa. Yeah, she's obsessive. Which might have been interesting. I'm not sure about it or not. Well, well, Luke, surely if you turned your head from the walk, you surely watched uh, 
Mountain, Frank and Gregor pick up uh, Cersei. Was uh, is that was that what you were hoping for this whole season? Because we talked about it early episodes how he was jumping around under the sheet, and then at the end of last season, uh, Kyburn was like working on him, like drawing all the fluids out of his body, disgusting with the needle and syringe. Uh, what uh, what do you think is going to happen with old uh, big old Frank and Gregor? I I don't know. Um, I'll have to watch the next season. <laughs> so you don't have any thoughts at all about it? I mean, yeah, I, I have no idea uh, what what's going to happen. I assume that since he's part of the Kingsguard now that he's going to go kill some people as is par for the course. It's a really good question. Um, I think I was just caught off guard by the complexity of it. So maybe you can come back to me. <laughs> Corey, Corey, let me ask you this. Uh, was that what you thought it would be? I mean, come on, dude. Had We saw his, like, swollen purple, bluish face behind that huge helmet. Like, And uh, Annie and, and Dan and I talked about it earlier today. They looked it up. I think it was Annie that looked it up. That was the guy from last season. That was the guy who played the mountain last season. So he came back and reprised his role as... They didn't name him, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be Robert Strong. Uh, just a generic name given to him. But um, Old Bob Strong? Old Bob Strong. Oh, Pastor Bob. He uh, he looked pretty imposing. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a large gentleman, and they put him behind. I think the reason his face looks swollen is because they're trying to shove that pumpkin-sized head that he has into a into a <laughs> helmet. Just in general, that the guy is the size of like a pickup truck in real life. So, uh, I mean. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I, I have no clue. And I I don't feel like speculating because if – in my opinion on this show is they listen to shows like this and they read message boards and they go, oh, well, they predicted this and this, so we had to do something different. So maybe he'll hug everyone to death and like not squeeze their head, just actually hug them and hug them so hard because he's like kind of challenged now. Basically, he's like, let me with the rabbits, right? And he just like grabs somebody and hugs them. I love you. And like their intestines shoot out of their ass. And like that's how he keeps killing people by accident. So I don't know. Well, I felt, well, I felt like they handled his storyline, the the mountain becoming this Franken whatever, uh, it, really awful throughout the whole season. Like we we saw him, I think what three or two times or something under you know uh, a curtain. To be honest, I I was like, who is this? What are we? What is this supposed to be telling us something? You know, it really I felt like they handled it pretty poorly and then we get the big reveal um and it it didn't shock me it didn't wow me or anything i was just like meh whatever you know he's alive okay i get it you know but it was i felt like it was handled very poorly throughout the whole entire season so let me i if i if i'm interpreting you correctly you haven't read the books and uh as a show watcher as a show watcher only you uh you pretty much forgot about him until you were reminded about him and you didn't really understand what was going on yeah i really didn't i didn't i didn't and and to be honest i really didn't care i was just like okay yeah. you know this guy's working on him and everything and he moved woohoo i it just didn't care i really really didn't and then when he's you know he shows up and you know cersei looks happy to see him and uh, i mean even though she's smeared in poop and blood and all that stuff and everything and that one creepy guy that was like oh come on i'll take care of you and i'll clean you all up i was like ooh i don't know i don't know if I, yeah i was like i don't know if i want to be in a room with you uh but yeah it was just to me it just was kind of like whatever i I didn't really care about the 
the Franken Mountain, whatever you guys want to call them. So, well, we can leave King's Landing unless anybody else has anything to say about King's Landing this season. Bye, Bye. King's Landing. Bye, King's Landing, and we can go to Mirene to everybody's uh, favorite '90s boys band, uh, Dario, Jorah, and, and Tyrion. Uh, Corey, let me hear your thoughts on that whole uh, scene there in the t- in the pyramid. Ah, the three amigos. They. Uh... The the two guys that uh, Dario and, and Sir Friendzone and I guess they are I, I thought it was an interesting scene at first with the three of them sitting there and what they started talking about but then as it went on and on it got really silly so apparently the two sword fighter guys are, are going to go off and try to find Danny by themselves which is a great plan guys you you're sure it'll you're sure it'll go without a hitch. Um, Sir Jorah hates everyone and is dying of grayscale, and the other one's just gonna like explain like, did you know that that Khaleesi has a birthmark in her inner thigh? You probably didn't know that, did you? Like just <laughs> just messing with him. Tyrion should definitely be on that trip just because I want Tyrion to talk shit to everybody around him. But after that scene and with Grey Worm and what's her name, and everybody leaves. Tyrion like just walks onto the balcony and then very sneaks up behind them like he's some type like he's not a bald like wearing four robes fat guy he is able to sneak up the <laughs> side of a pyramid or whatever how did he get in there like that's talk that might be the laziest thing in the entire episode was just very showing up and like you made a good point earlier today that that just went to go to prove uh, how terrible. The uh, Unsullied were shown this season. Yeah, how did he sneak? How does Varys sneak by anyone? Have I you mean, never seen an episode of Scooby Doo? Obviously, there's a book. <laughs> obviously, there's a bookcase around somewhere that opens into a secret passage. Duh. Well, that's that's as good of an answer as the show gave us. So I'm going to go with the Scooby Doo answer that Varys is actually wearing a mask, and he's not like one of the many face god masks, but just like a mask. And underneath it is like Littlefinger with a pillow tied around his stomach, and it's old man Littlefinger from the amusement park this whole time. Might have gotten away with it too, but for you meddling eunuchs. <laughs> uh, Annie, Annie, I have to ask you this: uh, much has been made of um, Tyrion and Danny meeting, and then we get it in we get we get them meeting and talking. In what? Hard Home? Episode 8? Yes. And then he Tyrion has a little bit of a exchange with uh, Hizzy Foshizzy in Episode 9, and then there, she's gone. So was it satisfying as a book reader to have them come together finally, uh, or was it not enough? Um, I would say both. Uh uh, in one, on the one hand, it was good to see them get together because that's something we haven't even reached in the books. Um, so we did get to see some of it. But then they were immediately taken apart again, which makes you wonder how long they'll be together when they finally do reach each other in the books. Um, but at the same time, like I actually really like the Tyrion and Varys uh, odd couple thing. I, I, th- I think they make a good pair. Um, I'm not thinking that this interim government is going to be such a bad thing. I mean, you know, many of them are disasters, but I actually like this one. Um, I'm a little worried about Danny. I mean, that's really where my concern lies. I mean, there's a level where I think that she can easily, like, 
reconquer the Kalazar, but at the same time, like, they have to give her a minute and she has to figure out how to, uh, you know, how to train your dragon. Yeah, that was kind of uh, a weird ending for Daenerys. Uh, the Dothraki, who, uh, by the way, this is Corey, he pointed this out to me earlier today, she's up on that mountaintop and she doesn't see an entire pack of horse guys riding around. She doesn't, she doesn't, see, doesn't see the, the entire Cherokee Nation riding around. <laughs> <laughs> like and then and then when they get there, we don't really know if they're mad at her or if they're trying to scare her. They're just riding around in circles, like they're trying to reenact the little bighorn. Like they're just running around in circles, and I don't understand. Like that was so confusing. And Dan, you made the greatest comparison today to me. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you thought her the whole dropping of the ring thing was. Oh, drops the ring. She's just doing it so they uh, will find her along the way. Yeah, but you you made a you, Dan made a great comparison today. He said uh, this was this was kind of like Pippin dropping the, uh, the oh, right. uh, brooch from his cape in, in uh, Lord of the Rings, like when the when the orcs took him. Like this is this I last night when it happened, uh, I was like, why did she take that ring off? And a lot of people were like, well, maybe that's because that was her engagement ring or her wedding ring from Hizzy. And uh, I think you're onto something more, um, Bandit. You and I talked about this, so tell me what. Was that kind of like really super? Oh, dude, that like, was terrible. That was so terrible. That was so. That goes right in with the terrible writing everywhere else. She dropped the ring. Okay, first off, Sir Friendzone and um, whatever her Dario courtesan. Nohaini. Yeah, her courtesan. Um, they Dario don't know Heine, Yeah, they they don't know where she is. They just know she flew off. So they're just gonna go ride around in their horses and see if they can find her. Um, which, sure, that's gonna work out. Um, and, and, but I can't, then she drops the ring, which yes, absolutely was like Pippin pulling off that leaf and dropping the leaf. The difference is they're not like a mile or two behind. They have no idea where she is. So they literally are going to find a ring in the entire country just out there somewhere on the ground, which is incredibly stupid. Dario, what do your elf eyes see? Exactly. I can totally, and I can totally see Sir Frenzo running behind. I'm wasted on open country. I'm a natural born sprinter. You know, like Tyrion. That's why you need Tyrion. You gotta have a oh, yeah, see? But, and the Tyrion and Varys thing, I, I will agree, that is interesting because Annie's right. That's the perfect odd couple. I mean, this this coming this fall on CBS, one's kind of messy and a dwarf, one's really neat and a eunuch. It's a it's the odd couple. Yay! How will they get along as roommates, ruling the city of Marine? Um, I, I don't know. The Danny storyline to me has gotten. I, man, everybody. I just want one person on the show other than Tyrion to make some good decisions. Just one person. Just one person other than Tyrion make go, you know what, I could do that, but that would be terribly stupid. So we're not going to do it. I think it could be argued that maybe the Boltons have been making good decisions ever since the beginning. Well, that's true. Okay, so we have Tyrion and the sociopaths. Which, Wonderful. Which feeds my theory, because everybody talks about Melisandre keeps, oh, I, I saw the burning Bolton banners, but I couldn't see somebody through the snow. And like, oh, that means Jon Snow. No, it means Ramsay Snow, actually. He's the hero. Ramsay Snow <laughs> will be the one to save the day. So everybody get ready. <laughs> he, he's, the, he's the ice in the Song of Ice and Fire. Exactly, Snow. It works, Ramsay Snow. Ramsey Bolton, Michael Bolton. I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> <laughs> oh, have mercy. Um, 
Isis, how how's how's your uh your your favorite Dario Nohaini gonna do without his uh his his blonde haired Pooh Bear? Oh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, he's he's gonna do a bunch of uh stuff just to kinda get a, under the skin of uh what's his name? Uh Sir Friendzone. And uh, which I like, I, ha- I have to admit, I like when he's like picking at him and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I've, I'm with everybody else. I feel like this is really, really dumb how they're doing it, where they only have two people going out to tr- like search the countryside to go and find out where Danny and the dragon are. And then she drops this ring. I, I just really, really silly. I said it uh, when I was live tweeting it. You know, how did she not see this entire Dothraki army? And didn't they leave her, like, in season two? Didn't they, did. didn't they just, like, yes. be like, yeah, we're not going to follow you anymore. You're not our queen. We're out. Peace out. Well, at that at that point, um, she had lost, like, you know, her call had died, or he was about to die. He'd fallen off his horse. And uh, she hadn't had the dragons yet. And arguably, the, the, I guess the big argument is that maybe the Dothraki – uh, Horde has heard of her exploits as the Dragon Queen. Um, in the in the books, I believe they're kind of like roaming around the, the countryside and they're they're passing by cities and cities are like offering them things so they to keep them away so they don't lay siege to the cities and and they, so obviously they would hear rumors about the Dragon Queen, the Mother of Dragons, and they would put two to two together, I guess. But uh, that's not really explained to us. Um, yeah, you're right. They disappeared in season two and then. Even the Dothraki who stayed with her, they all kind of left in season three, or no, two, I guess, in the, the, in the Red of, Waste. Yeah, in the end of two, I think. And we, every once in a while, we get a shot of one of her, her blood riders, like, standing in the pyramid or, like, standing close to her, but we don't see them really anymore. And then all of a sudden, like, a million of them show up and start writing intricate circular, circular patterns around her. Yeah. Like, yelping. Well, I I have to admit, though, I was glad to see Grey Worm. I was really excited about seeing Grey Worm again. I was like, oh, he's alive still. Yay. And then uh, Masande, is that, that's her name, right? And uh, yes. Grey Worm's girlfriend that she can't have sex with him. Anyway, whatever. You're shipping that, aren't it's, you? It's, uh, oh, I'm shipping the hell out of that. And um, it's complicated, though. But his mouth still works. Anyway... Oh. I think I think that was really great that they were left behind. I think she'll she'll make a her with uh with Tyrion and Varys. It's going to be I think it's going to be a really great group right here. This is going to be a really great group and then hopefully Danny can come back and then she'll go ahead and, you know, put uh she'll go and get her other dragons and then Masande and Grey Worm will be on one dragon and then Tyrion will be on another dragon and they will just go off into <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my my theory. You've been watching How to Train Your Dragon too. I too have. Much. I love that show. <laughs> but anyway, I really really hope that we get some um, good stuff going on. I I just don't know where they're going with this whole you know uh, n- new group coming in. I I don't know. I have no well, idea. It seems to me what they're doing, Razor. We talked about it earlier today. Is this just another thing to prevent Danny from actually getting on a damn boat? And going to Westeros with her dragons and her <laughs> army, like it's just one more thing, so we can prevent moving that story along. Because mm-hmm. she now, now we're just gonna we keep cutting as much as I do enjoy as as Annie pointed out. Like Varys and Tyrion are great together. I I agree with that completely. They are hilarious and have great chemistry. But now they're just stuck in Marine because mm-hmm. they're not gonna go anywhere without Danny. And now she's out in the Iroquois Nation or whatever, and <laughs> has just, 
Uh, and, and her dragon, Danny's so boring that her dragon like had just saved her and was instantly so bored he had to take a nap and <laughs> couldn't be bothered to like go get her a sandwich or save her from the Apaches. It's just it, her the dragon literally could not have given less of a shit that she was there. I was like, <laughs> zero, all right, I, zero yeah. fucks. No, not one. And uh, I don't know. Danny's just been that's been. If it wasn't for Santa being so incredibly useless, and then we would hate Danny a lot more. I think because her character has been equally useless since getting to Marine. Before she got there, she was really interesting. But oh my god! So like basically, Santa is stealing. Danny's agency. Holy shit. It makes sense. <laughs> Dude, that's one of my triggers. I'm going to ask you. That's one of your triggers. Okay, you're right. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, right. So, Luke, we haven't heard from you about Marine. You have any thoughts? Yeah, I um, I agree that Danny's um, – what was that? that? That was Danny's dragon. But are you getting surrounded by Apaches right now? And <laughs> Somebody might be. Um. Yeah, I agree that her storyline is probably the most boring um, of the season. Other than Pod and Brienne's this season, of them waiting for a candle in the wind, um, the uh, <laughs> the Marine storyline has been kind of like, meh. I mean, I guess the Sons of the Harpy thing was kind of cool. They had, like, the one fight scene, but um, I just... I, I, I I didn't mind the whole ring thing either. Like, I mean, she got kidnapped. That's fine. Whatever. Um, I didn't mind the ring thing. That I, that I thought that it was to help track her down, track him down as soon as um, she had dropped it. So, you know, if I can believe that dragons exist, <clears throat> I think I can believe that um, they can find a ring in the middle of nowhere. Well, maybe she'll send some smoke signals when she gets a chance <laughs> to escape. So. I love we're sticking with that theme. Yeah, it's, we, we, we're not going to let go of that one. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Uh, Danny's story, although we've had, to me, there's been some bright spots. We had, I did not like the death of Sir Barristan, but it was still a pretty cool fight scene. You know, he basically laid waste to all the Sons of the Harpy, pretty much. Like, he cleared an entire room out before he died. And then uh, we had Danny meeting Tyrion, which was a, a, like a, an epic meeting for everybody who's read the books. They were really excited for that. And then we had Daznak's Pit, which to me was extremely exciting until Danny uh, took off on the dragon and that one side shot where it looked like she had fake legs stuck to the side of the dragon, like maybe there were dwarf legs or fake legs. And the guy who was doing CGI was like, hey, boss, I need like like five bucks more to do this right. And he's like, no, 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 no. We got to show Sand Snakes. So that, you can't have any more money. <laughs> so uh, other than that, I felt like Meereen, uh had some really good moments. And I, I, I'm glad Tyrion and Varys are reunited. I almost had this like pit of my stomach feeling last night uh, that Varys – because Varys is a completely different storyline – in A Dance with Dragons, he's not even in Marine, and I felt like when he showed up, I was like, oh, shit, he, they're going to transfer his storyline to Tyrion. Oh, my God, Tyrion, watch out! Uh, but that didn't happen, thankfully, and uh, there was no crossbolt to Tyrion's stomach, thank, thankfully. Um, uh, so did anybody else have anything about Marine before we leave and go to the wall? Does anybody else want to say anything about Danny, the Dothraki, Sir Friendzone, anybody? Not really, but, not... but I would like to talk about Arya before we get to the wall. 
Okay, that's fine. I was I, I was gonna talk about Sir Marin's eyes being gouged out last, but we can oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Go there. Well, I just thought. No, no, no. You brought it up. Let's 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 let you lead off with Arya and uh, what she her her choice to become a faceless man and wear the face of was it was it the little girl's face that she gave the mercy gift to in like season. Or episode six. Episode or six. I thought that it was. I, I at least that's what I thought it was. I didn't go back to watch episode six. I don't obsess about it like you do, but um, I think it was. It was the girl. But I just love. I feel the, like that was a shot at me. It was a shot at you. Uh, it really creeped me out as far as like you know having the three girls and he was beating them. I, I was like, oh man, we are we are definitely going somewhere else. But I just thought it was really badass about how Arya just stood there and took it, and then you know instantly he was like, oh. Okay, I'm just going to focus on you. And uh, and I felt like Arya kind of became something else. Like she's not Arya that we knew for the past couple of seasons at all. She is she is completely different and uh and her time with the faceless gods uh have been made her a, a really a really good assassin. And uh I feel like that she is ready to do something, but I'm I have really con- a lot of concerns with uh uh, what do you call it, Bandit? Who's it? Jesus? Uh, oh, se- sexy, sexy Jesus. Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah sexy, sexy Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, sexy Jesus uh, has me a little worried because uh, what happens at the end? Uh, what did you think, Bandit, when you when you saw her go ahead and well, lay waste? Well, first off, I thought that was probably the coolest scene. One of the cooler scenes we've seen is her finally getting a little revenge and. Arya's like a little ninja. She like jumped up there and choo choo. You know, she was awesome. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. That was so that was so cool. Like Arya, way better fighter than the Sand Snakes, um, because she actually used her knife. Um, and then just <laughs> danced, and just danced around in a circle with it. She actually used it. So Arya, way better fighter already. Um, but as far as sexy Jesus and the poisoning of Arya and all that kind of stuff goes, um. I, I do have a couple of questions. One, um, is that blonde hair girl that's always in there? Is that the same girl that was on Gil- blonde hair girl and Gilmore Girls? Like I think it is. Like I think it's the same kind of character. <laughs> I don't um, know. I'm a straight man, so I don't. I can't tell you. That. Yeah, I don't know. I think it is. So, and also now that Arya is blind, it, she could be like the Ray Charles of Westeros, right? She could be like just like a singer and have like a nice little singing career. That would be a nice ending for her. Because she's the least stupid Stark, even though she did do this and tick off Sexy Jesus. Um, Sexy Jesus is like the he's as annoy he's like he's a really annoying, um, hostile running David Copperfield at this point. Like everything's mirrors and like oh how did I make that happen? I'm going to teach you a lesson about yourself using you know and. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Arya's storyline, but I can totally see Arya just being blind now. And that's it. Arya's just blind now. That's the and end of her storyline. <laughs> she's just blind and she's going to be a pauper. That's also a total George R. R. Martin thing to do, um, But it, it, which would be a shame because I actually find this the most interesting uh, storyline going right now. I, I would actually like to see, though, Arya uh, learn the rules of Sexy Jesus' Hostile Dojo and begin to understand how he's she's supposed to you know fit into that and it would be cool to see her like give up the list and actually become a faceless man and do some cool stuff rather than just being um you know let me see how i can stark this up you know that would that's a shame 
I don't know. I don't think that she can let go of that. I think I don't think she can let go of Arya Stark. Annie, do you think that she can shuffle off the the uh, Arya Stark persona? Well, I think she has to if she actually intends to follow through with becoming a faceless man. And I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure once you start training to be a faceless man that you're allowed to stop. I, I, I think that basically she doesn't have a choice. She has to keep going. I think also that she probably didn't realize quite what she was signing up for. I mean, you heard her tell Trant, you're no one. You know, to her, being no one is being, you know, something terrible. It's not something to aspire to, except that right. everyone at everyone in the House of Black and White LLC is uh, basically telling her, no, that's really, really what you want to be. Um you know, I have to say, though, I was really disturbed by the way she murdered Trant. I mean, that was outright, like, psychopathic, creepy, Dexter-like. I mean, that was that was the kind of thing you see people do to bodies at the beginning of uh, Law & Order SBU. I mean, <laughs> I, I was literally horrified by it. And that was ultraviolet. It was ultraviolet, and it was... It, it it actually frightened me slightly, and it showed that she really does need someone to control her. At this point, that's what she is. She is a psychopath. She has been turned into Westeros' version of Dexter. But she's not going to get a job in a police department, and she's not going to, you know, controlledly do bodies off in the corner and then dump them in the sea. That's not that that's not going to be her way. Bravos isn't Florida that way. I believe we decided earlier that Dorn is Florida. Yeah, anyway, Florida. yeah. Um, so the fact <laughs> oh, that matters, that's we are not Dorn, all right? We are not. I'm offended. We are not Dorn. We, I didn't see anyone in Dorn take a shirt off, throw a commode at anyone, kill any, feed anyone with a lizard. There was no Miller High Life involved. Dorn is not Florida. Okay? Underneath all those flowing gowns is jean shorts, buddy. It is Florida. <laughs> and Crocs. Those, those pointy shoes were Crocs. You know oh, Anyway, but the fact of the matter is is that she is now a psychopath. That is what she actually is. The, what she did to Trant, that is who she has become after five years of just unmitigated horror of watching her family be taken away from her and living with the hound and being on the road and having to wear the same outfit for four years running. I mean, so someone has to control her and someone has to focus it. And if that's what it takes to, you know, have that magic done to her where she can trade faces and she can become no one. Hey, let, you know what? I, I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing her handle being blind next year. Yeah, and you well, bring up a good point. Her her rolling around with the hound, like I wanted to ask Luke this question. Luke, uh since since you and I both totally believe he's still alive, um, do you think that uh that her killing Marin Trant was more of a reflection of the training she got from the hound, like the brutality of it? Um or was it some kind of secret assassin training that we didn't see on screen? Well, since we didn't see any training on screen, I think we have to assume it was from the hound. Right, because that's yeah. logical. Okay. Yeah, of course, of course. But I mean, it's Game of Thrones. You you kind of like check logic at the door. Yeah, she's still hung up on the whole list thing. I I don't know why. Um, but especially that guy. Like, I had to even like take a minute and think about like what did what did he do again? Because that was like season one. You obviously don't watch the previously on then. No. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, he was shown on the previously on as killing. Syria, or I'm sorry, 
cutting his sword in half and then going off screen. He's dead. Can we stop <laughs> with that fan bullcrap? He's been dead. He's dead forever. I knew, I knew that was your trigger. That is my trigger. trigger. Is like the fan theories about how all these people can still be alive. And actually, I, I wanted to say, Annie, I I really liked your uh, breakdown of that scene about how disturbed you were by Arya's actions and how she killed the guy whose name I don't know. Because uh, I, I felt like both having him beating up on the people beforehand and then having her be that over-the-top violent about it, that's actually, to me, that's that's a very unsubtle way. I, I don't want to call it lazy because it was effective, you know, but they're showing that they had to remind you, hey, by the way, in case you weren't sold last week when this guy was a sick pedophile, he also beats people. And it's like, he probably needs to die. And then, oh, one of them's Arya. And then, you know, yeah, she, you're completely right. She needs training in a big way because all of her skills and all of her smarts and everything else go out the window whenever she starts thinking about all the bad things that have happened to her family and it's because she's a kid like we forget that she's very young uh, but I, I, the scene was interesting and her going blind like that was interesting because it's going to make her it's going to force her to adapt or die and that's what she needs if she wants to actually not just become a, an assassin for uh, many face Jesus, but for just just life in general, she can't. You can't go through life that angry. You end up like the hound being thrown off a mountainside. You know, so. By Brienne. And he's dead, by the way. You guys are stupid. But we wouldn't even if any of the Starks, if any of the Starks could control themselves and not do the really stupid thing that they're emotionally, you know, feel like they need to do, we would not have a show. Like, everything in the show is driven by the Starks being like, well, there's a logical course of action here, or, and they always do the or, every time. No, I agree with you, but I still thought that Arya kicking ass was, was to me, awesome just to see, like, her rage come out. Uh, because, I mean... It was the highlight of the episode. It, it really me. was, because, I mean, we have... She's been, you know... I mean, she's fought a couple of times in, in the episodes and the seasons that, that have happened. But, I mean, to see her just... It, this was her kill. This literally was her kill. This was hers to go ahead and do. And just to see all that rage, that pent up rage for the past couple of seasons just come out uh, of her. Uh, I can I can identify with that, that this man had a hand. Wow. Well, uh, as far uh, as like being all ragey and stuff, I am. And that's all for tonight's Take the Black Guy. <laughs> I mean, that you get so, you know, blinded that you have lost your family, you have lost all, you know, you've had all this loss. And, uh, and then, you know, she still has this list that she's been going over for the past couple of seasons. Anyway, I just really thought that was a really excellent um, whole scene, as far as her, you know, going crazy on this guy. Uh, But when we got to sexy Jesus, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, please don't kill sexy Jesus. uh, When he drank the potion. That was so confusing to me, I, by the way. It, what, well, yeah, and then he pulled. She was pulling the faces, and then she saw her face, and I was like, "Well, does that mean she's Double dead?" Confusing. I was like, "Was she? Is she dead? Is that what that? Is that what they're telling us?" And then she goes blind. So, um, oh, but there was a coin behind your ear the whole time. Ah, oh, David Copperfield. <laughs> you guys, if you guys saw one of the faces she pulled away, was Jon Snow's face because he's dead. Followed <laughs> <laughs> by the Hound. Go uh, back and rewatch. Um, we'll see it. Um, Dan, I have to ask you this because uh, as as a guy who's read the books, you, you know you you have a pretty good idea of what happens to 
Arya in that in that instance, and you know that it's coming. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how faceless men change their face. Like even as as the fact that I've read the books and reread them, I still don't understand the changing of the faces thing. Is it magic, or is it is it a glamour? Is it like they have like extra faces glued to their face? Like what do you think? Do you think it was explained correctly? No, I, I have no idea. And I, I agree with um, was it Uisis who was confused after they were like she was, I mean, it was kind of creepy looking the way she was pulling the faces off, Jacken, whoever that was, yeah. Jesus, and it was all oh that's neat. But it also like cause I feel like they set up like a decent model here. Like oh their faces these people they've killed, cured the faces and put them on the wall. Okay that's neat. And all of a sudden like the way not only changed faces she changed shape. And turned to Jack and Hagar and was wearing the waist clothes, which, which was hilarious. But um, yeah, it kind of muddied the waters as to exactly how they work. But then again, they're face changing, shape changing magic assassins. So I guess I can't. Think oh my too god, about I didn't it. catch that last night. I didn't realize the waif had turned into Jack and I thought she just stepped back and he and he huh? stepped forward. No, but huh? Uh, well. What do you all think? I thought that Jack and yeah, how did you miss? No, that? I, 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 I thought exactly that too. Yeah, me too. I'm with Dan. Oh, I, I, that's. I'm glad you guys caught that. I did not. I guess I wasn't paying attention. Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't I catch it. It's just what on, happened. Yeah. yeah, you were still thinking. <laughs> you were still thinking about all the dick on the shame walk. Oh. <laughs> Razor, his his cat did something really cute. He was paying attention to that. Squirrel. Hey, hey. Well, no, I thought I felt like what Bandit was talking about. Like this was an episode of Scooby Doo where they take the mask off the bad guy and everything. And so like they were, she just kept on pulling faces off of off of the you know sexy Jesus. And I was just like, wait a minute, what is going on here? And it's not completely clear to me, but hopefully next season they will explain it a lot better of what's going on. And I, I feel like, you know, Sexy Jesus is up to something that he he's not, of course, giving the whole story. So I'm not completely sold that, you know, Sexy Jesus is a really good guy. I think that they're going to come out in some you know, Arya is going to rethink this and go, oh, crap, I just fell in with the wrong crowd here. And uh, so well, I, mean, I, I want to running the David. Jesus, that's no good. Yeah, if you're running the David Copperfield hostile slash murder factory, I mean, you're not a good guy. I mean, good guy's probably a bit extreme. But, yeah, I, Arya should have yelled jinkies. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I mean, the guy keeps just a, a pool of poison water with no signs on it or anything. Just in the middle, like, it's hot as crap in that part of it. I mean, yeah, it's summertime. Come inside and get a drink. Oh, now, you're, now your face is on someone else's face. And it's just, it's, I don't know. Obviously, he's an assassin that has some type of mystical power. So I doubt that he is, like, neutral, you know. But if he's killing bad people, then, you know, he, he could be the Dexter of the... The universe, as someone was talking about Dexter earlier, that's kind of like what he does, I guess, or something. I really don't know. I'm confused by that. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm confused too, man. Though, like, that's the thing is, this it was not explained very well in the show. I was excited for the Bravos storyline. I was excited for Arya this season. And much like Sansa, we didn't get anything until she kills Marin Trent. You know, like, that was like, oh... Okay, she's in Bravos. Oh, she didn't do any training on screen. Oh, all of a sudden she knows how to jump on guys and stab them in the face. And by the way, Marion Trant's a Kingsguard. And, and he's got all these skills with a sword. He obviously killed her water dancer teacher, but she's going to jump on him and stab his eyes out. I just was like, okay, I, I, I guess she was trained. I don't know. I don't know how the faces work. 
Um, you're right, there's no warning signs on the pool, so like they've they've got all these like OSHA violations. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, yeah, that's that whole storyline was. Um, I hope they explain things a lot more in season six because I really, really want to cheer for Arya. I really want, I really wanted Bravos to be exciting. I re- because basically it was a new part of the story that we haven't seen on the show very much, and um, we didn't really get to explore it much. Yeah. Anyway, well, Bandit and Bandit had said that you know she'd become like the Ray Charles of Bravos, and everybody was like, oh, she'll play piano, and I was just like, nope, a heroin addict. Yeah, that's what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harold Nats, who's not allowed to go to Georgia. Oh, can, can we talk? Can we talk about Ollie now? Yes, we're go. Let's do it, guys. Okay, before we go, does anybody else have any thoughts they want to leave us on Bravos? Anybody else want to pipe in anything else? I love that if when not, you come into the town, they make you sail under a statue and look at his dick. I just feel pretty, <laughs> a pretty, pretty ballsy structural plan. I see what you did there. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's let's go to the wall. And Bandit, I'll let you kick it off because you've got some thoughts on Ollie. Okay, here's the thing about Ollie. Um, Ollie is that if you think back to when you were in elementary school and you remember that kid in class who was really weird and he was always dirty and, you know, it looked like maybe he was covering up bruises or cigarette burns. Like there was definitely trouble at home. You felt bad for him. You felt bad for him, but at the same time, he was the worst, and so you could only feel bad for him up to a point. He, like, sat with the teacher at lunch. He smelled kind of like cheese or something. He was just – he was the worst. Like, we saw Ollie's parents get murdered, but at the same time, Ollie is the worst, too. And so you kind of are like, yeah, his parents got murdered, but they were probably the worst like him. Um, they, they, they were kind of like, you know, he probably grew up in a trailer park, and – He's probably just kind of, yeah, he's just not, he's the worst kid at school. And so Ollie, the fact that Jon Snow took Ollie in first, Jon Snow, oh my gosh, he, uh, I understand there's tons of theories about who his parents are, but that's got to be Ned Stark's son, because no one else could be that stupid, right? No one else could be that stupid. Like, hey, your uncle, you remember the one that, that like seasons ago rode off? There's a guy here who says he knows him. Uh, yeah, you guys all rode in boats together, like, all the way down from, from, you know, north of the wall. Nobody bothered to tell you on the boat trip. It was, well, they waited until they got here to tell you that they know something about it. Come down and see. Then they go down, and there's this scrawled, you know, traitor, which, by the way, that was terribly written, and Ollie's going to have to repeat the third grade. <laughs> that was, his handwriting is terrible. And... John Snow and John Snow. What is John Snow's reaction to it? He stands there and looks at it like he's trying to sound it out. Tra, tray, tree, trader. Yeah, like John Snow. Hey, there's a sign that says trader. Obviously, the sign doesn't know your uncle. Something is afoot. He just stands there. <laughs> John Snow's an idiot, and I hope he's dead. And Ollie is the worst. And. Gosh, if they don't kill off Ollie, he's just going to grow up to get some girl pregnant at 15, and the cycle's going to continue. So he needs to die, too. (laughs) That was satisfying. I'm glad you went first. I'm glad Um, that you pointed out the sign, because the sign was ridiculous. It looked like some type of kitsch thing you buy at Pier 1. Like, the different models, one says, like, home sweet home, one says, like, eat happy or something, and then one says trader, and they hung it up. 
sideways for some stupid ass reason. And <laughs> but you know what? My favorite. You mentioned how dumb it is for John to be like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't seen him since season one. That'd be great if he showed up right now." That's the fans for this show. Like everyone is dead, and for some reason you keep running down the corridor. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see his character. Oh, this isn't what I wanted. Like that's that's the show. It's the show every season. It's like, oh, I thought I was going to get this nice thing, and instead I'm not, and it usually ends with someone getting stabbed. And I'm going to stop watching now. I'm going to stop watching. And then, you know, six months go by, and you start seeing a teaser trailer, and it's like, oh, and then it just builds back up, and you watch anyway. But, yeah, it's that, that was the perfect, I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but for fans of the show, especially just show watchers, it's like every time – Everybody has some dumb theory, and then they run really fast to the end of it and don't see the knives coming into their back. So, Well, yeah. I would just like to say that Jon Snow didn't even last a freaking day at the wall without Sam. Did anybody notice that? Like, Sam yeah, leaves, and then freaking Jon is dead. Like, if Sam was there, he probably would have told him, like, dude, stop. Wait a minute. Think about this. This may not be a good deal here. And and without Sam being there, because uh, he went to go somewhere else. And, um, you know, that, I mean, he just he does not make very good life choices. Uh, John does not. And uh, so I thought that was really kind of interesting that he didn't even survive a freaking day. And then my question was, where the hell was Ghost? Like Ghost was there to save Sam from getting his ass whooped, but he wasn't there to save his master, if you will. Uh, Ghost was basically a dick. I mean, he didn't show up to help John, but he showed up to help Sam. Exactly. And and I agree with everybody else. I think that freaking Ollie's just a fucking dick wrinkle at this point. And <laughs> I really can care less about him. And I hope that his balls don't drop. And that's... Has- oh! <laughs> wow! Hashtag feed, feed Ollie to Ramsey. Like that. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i'm i'm completely okay with ramsey you know losing his shit over his psycho girlfriend whatever she is and then like attacking the wall just because he can because uh, he may think that Sansa's going to go there but anyway i i have no idea what's going to happen with that but john snow is real to me and uh and i, I i'm going to be on den- i'm in denial right now because i'm hoping that uh, that blood that was coming out of Jon Snow, that Melisandre is going to like conjure him back up somehow. and going to sop it up with some bread? She's she going to sop it up. And, gonna uh, and she's going <laughs> to... <laughs> and she's gonna make like she's gonna like get pregnant and then like a new Jon Snow's gonna come out of her vajayjay. And, oh my god! And he's gonna be just as stupid as the last one. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know, but he'll have some beautiful hair. So. That's going to – I mean, Isis, as you're watching this happen, and I really, really took extra steps not to spoil this for you. And as Bandit will happily tell anyone, he, I like to spoil things for people, and I just kept my mouth shut all season long, so I feel like I should be applauded. But anyway, <laughs> you kept talking about your, your your sweet baby boy, your sweet baby buttermilk, Jon Snow, and I was like, oh my god, she doesn't know what's coming. No, I had no idea. And a matter of fact, somebody tweeted us last night uh, when we were doing the live tweet about, hey, did you not know that he was going to die? I'm like, fuck, no, I did not know. I didn't read the damn books, okay? I did not know. And so (laughs) I didn't expect that to happen. And and we had even talked about it. I think Annie had 
we were talking about uh, Jon Snow and at the wall, what did we think was going to happen? And I think somebody mentioned that something might happen to Jon Snow. I didn't pick up what you guys were throwing down. And, uh, and I, I had to watch like Pride and Prejudice just as the palate cleanser. So, Really? That's your palate what? cleanser? Pride and Prejudice is your palate cleanser? I, yeah. I had to watch Anne Education to, to clear my head. It was, what? Look, look, don't judge me, okay? Mark Darcy is real to me. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, we're not going down that path. Um, and you guys made fun of me for my Gilmore girl, Girls joke. I just want to point out. <laughs> um, Annie, you have some strong opinions about John. John? You're kind of like, you're Corey. You're Corey in this argument. Actually, John's okay. dead. So the thing is, if you had asked me last week when we did this if I thought John was dead, I would have told you no. No, John's not dead. John is going to warg into ghosts. John is going to be re, re resurrected by Melisandre. She's going to do magic on him. He's going to be put in the pallet. Uh, they're going to light it on fire because you burn all the bodies, except he's part Targaryen, so he doesn't actually burn, and then he rises from the fire, and the wildlings and the Night's Watch will all fall to their knees, and something, something, something. I don't know. Anyway, that was me last week. Today, if you ask me, he's dead. Yep. He's just dead. And you know Good. what? What I find really fascinating is that a lot of book readers are having the same reaction I am. They spent the last four years making up these crazy-ass theories about how John would somehow survive. And today they're all like, it's over, he's dead. Meanwhile, all the unsullied, especially the ones who, like, never wanted to go on the Internet and never wanted to read theories, they're all coming up with crazy-ass theories, and they're the ones running the theater to say, no, no, I went to the Internet, and I read this thing about how he's going to warg into ghosts. I'm like, dude, I wrote that four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a little amazing to me that the Unsullied are now the ones holding on to these crazy theories, and the book readers, upon actually seeing it on screen, he's dead. He's just, he's dead, Jim. He's dead. It's just, for me, and here's my problem, and Dan, I want to get you to chime in on this. Um, if you're going to kill Jon Snow off, okay, let's say that everybody's right, and that they're not trying to pull the wool over her eyes, and he's dead. Whatever. He's dead on the show. Uh-huh. Um, so, what was Hardhome about? Why did we talk about Valyrian steel swords, specifically Longclaw? Why did we show Ghost twice this season, although he's not really known for being shown on screen that much? Why have Melisandre show up at the Wall... Why talk about the Night's King rising, raising the dead up? Why do any of that if you're gonna if you're David Benioff and Dan Weiss and you're gonna kill him for good? Why do any of that? All right, I'll take you to your points in a turn. Okay, so hard home. John's the only person there. A lot of folks saw it, and he told Sam about it all. He told Sam, Sam about Cavalry Steel Swords, about the Night's King coming. Sam knows. Sam's smart. Sam's going south. He's gonna get all the Steel Swords. He's gonna send him back. It's gonna be fine. Let's see, Ghost. Why was Ghost shown? Because Ghost is a wolf, and sometimes they show wolves. I mean, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, I just don't get why the fact that they show Ghost occasionally means that he must work. Why? He, he's his wolf. He's with them sometimes. They're friends. Okay. Now, what else did you have? Our home, Ghost, Valerian Steel Blades. Melisandre. Melisandre. Oh, okay. Here's what happened there. Um, she left Stannis because she was scared, and she went to the wall. Like, I feel like there's... There's no need. It doesn't follow that because she's at the wall, therefore she must resurrect Jon Snow. It doesn't. She's there because she fled there. 
But she took Stannis. She took Littlefinger's uh, teleporter to the wall. By the way, she showed up in like a matter of minutes. Right behind Sir Davos, yeah. Wait, let's remember right though, in the too. first season, like it took them one episode to get from Winterfell to the wall, and Winterfell's like, I mean, it's the wall's kind of far away, but it's a lot closer than it would be if they were in King's Landing. They're both in the north. I don't think that was teleporters so much. I could be wrong. Maybe that's she could, have like she could have ridden really hard. She just could have been like, no, I really, really need to get to the wall because it's cold. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Although so she's always warm, but anyway. It's a... you should, well, if you ask point. Luke, she's hot. Oh, right. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, I, I don't, I I really hate the fact that they, they did this uh, to my, one of my favorite characters. But I, I get it if, it if they did it for a really good reason. But sometimes they don't do things for good reasons, so... <laughs> Well, um, can, yeah. can, can I can I just point out because I, I this is something that I found that I've said to people over and over again today. You know what the pitch was for this show, right? It was what if the hero dies? So the hero just keeps dying. It's Ned first and then it's Rob and now it's John. Every time we get a hero, he dies. That's the that that's the whole pitch of the show. And that's why John is dead. He's and that's dead why and, and that's why Sansa is not a hero. She's still alive. So can somebody please make Sansa the hero? <laughs> Luke, we haven't heard from you. Uh, thoughts on the wall and uh, Etu Ollie? Any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that Jon Snow's dead. Um, it kind of sucks though because like now, I literally don't care about any of the active storylines. So I have I have no idea what's going to bring me back for for the next season. Which kind I've of seen sucks. a lot of people say that too. Yeah, I mean, I mean this that, was I'm in that boat this, with you, man. Yeah, it was it was a it was a terrible season to begin with. Um, it was just really slow and boring, and then we get Hard Home, which was freaking epic, and then that was about it. So, in my opinion, we had one good episode. And I, I don't really have a reason to tune in for next season. And yeah, the pitch may have been, "What if the hero dies?" But this is a terrible fucking pitch. Like nobody wants the hero to <laughs> always die. <laughs> so I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. They better get up. They better get some um, sweet trailers for uh, for the next season. I, well, I agree. Uh, I agree with Luke on that too, with about the pitch. And I've heard that before. That that's that's how the show is structured. Like, what if the hero died? It's like, well, I I don't want to watch that show anymore. Like, uh, it it really is. It, I invest myself in the in the things I watch, and if I wanted to see sad things happen, I would turn on the news, not HBO. You know, and I understand that setting this this world up as a place where Ned and Rob die, or even John is fine if you want to kill him off. But at, at what point do we say that that the killing off main characters is a gimmick or a trope, and not so much of a plot device? Like, if, is it just every season we have to take someone that you like and kill them? Because in next season, I guess is Tyrion. I don't know. So. Literally, no one's safe. Yeah, uh, that's and that's fine. Except the only people that are safe, because there are safe people, and they're the people that we hate. And like, I, I can only hate watch a show so much. I stopped The Walking Dead in season two. I stopped watching Dexter in season four. Like, I can only hate watch a show so much before <laughs> before I just stop. And I think a lot of people are getting into that 
into that same ballpark. Like I'm, I'm not saying I won't start watching next season, but I mean, they really got to do something to give, give us one thing. That's what I said in the beginning of the show. They didn't give us Stannis' death. They didn't give us Sansa escaping. Arya went blind. Uh, every single thing that could, Danny got kidnapped, anything they could give us, like, yeah, all that sucks, but Danny's flying a dragon now. Isn't that cool? Like, they just take it away. It's a, it's, Even the dragon didn't want to be flown at the end. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, it just seemed to me like it's it's turned into like a gimmick, uh, almost M. Night Shyamalan where it's like, there has to be a twist. No, there has to be a major <laughs> character death. At least two now. We had to, next season, we got to do three, so we, uh, like, I just, it's, it's getting old. Yeah, I'll, yeah, tell you I mean, what, I'll tell you what happens. They they walk into a diner and then they pull the gun out and then it fades to black. That's the <laughs> end. That's the end, and we're all left to. I totally get what you guys are saying. I think the writing was terrible. They've got to have a better season next year. I do not agree with people who say I'm not going to watch because it triggered my agency sensitivity. Da da da. I don't believe in that because I think those people are just. They don't understand what they hate, what they're disliking right now about the show, and so that's what they're putting out there. At, you know, because in my opinion, generally when you say things like that, it's because you don't really understand something and you just need to say something. Um, but I think you guys are onto it. This is what people are feeling um, because the terrible things have been happening since season one, and so you can't say it's because terrible things have been happening. The problem is when you don't see the story. You don't feel like the story for any of the people you're rooting for is progressing, and the few things that do progress progress in a bad way. You can only can, you can only bring in new people to root for and stuff so many times, and it just it does feel like a Walking Dead season. Um, my problem with the Walking Dead is every single season is this this time on the this season of the Walking Dead things get crazy and they give you all of these episodes where nothing happens. And then they give you one or two episodes at the very end of the season where a ton of stuff happens and they talk and they leave you with a bunch of cliffhangers for the next season. It's that same kind of formula. And it seems like they're trying to, in my opinion, it almost stretch things out, uh, just like with the Danny. It's like they're stretching it out. They, they don't want to get too far ahead of the books. And so they're trying to just kind of continue to, to milk right what they're on. But I'll be honest with you, where we're at in the books right now, I didn't think was particularly great. And so it kind of corresponds that I don't think the show is particularly great right now. I, I have hope for the next book. I have hope for the next season. But if it's, a, if it's like last season, if it's like the last book, then, yeah, they, they might lose me. Well, um, that's, that's a really good point. And um, I guess on that note, unless anybody else has anything they want to add to this conversation about this, I will say this. We won't know anything. Of course, we'll see, like, they'll announce a casting call at Comic-Con in a month, and they'll, then they'll, they'll release a few, like, casting tidbits. They've already, they've already had some casting calls for, like, a pirate next season, so that's going to be fun. Um, Ooh, sexy we, pirate. Sexy pirate. You're going to like this pirate. He's kind of he's cool. Anyway, um, there's, there's, they've got some casting calls out for some people next season, but nothing's super confirmed. They haven't announced it. They announced that in about a month. And then we won't really know much except for leaked photos of people going to the filming locations. We won't see anything happen big except for people on vacation, you know, Instagramming stuff. And then right after Christmas, we get the look ahead to season six. Uh, HBO does this big 
look look ahead to look ahead to 2016, and we'll see a three to five second clip of Game of Thrones, and it'll probably have four to five scenes, and it'll be really quick, and it, people will obsess about them until, um, like I will, until April or March, and we start getting trailers and all the good stuff happens. So. Right now, we're ending on kind of a sad, bad note. Um, for, for me, the season was lackluster, but you're right. Um, the, the books were kind of meandering, although I liked Dance of Dragons just because I'm, I like the books, all of them. And as Bandit has pointed out, I'm a homer for everything, so I like them anyway. Uh, but they were, they were meandering. Um, so probably that's what we got a little bit of this season. I'm not a fan of killing Jon Snow permanently in the show. If that's what happened, whatever. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but hopefully we'll see something fun happen next season. Hopefully some news will come out that will change everybody's opinion and people will, will start flocking back to the show and being, being excited for it. Does anybody else have anything they want to say about season five before we wrap this show up, this two-hour epic Take the Black show? Uh, I'm I glad it's over. I, <laughs> um, I just want to say that I really do agree with Bandit. I think that you kind of nailed it. The problem is with the source material. The books were kind of meandering. The books weren't very good. This was the season that covered the two not very good books. And what did we get? I had high hopes that we had a season that would fix them. And instead, we got a not very good season. Good point. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap the show up. This is our last Take the Black for the season. We will be back sometime, hopefully a couple months before next season kicks off, and um, we're looking at getting some more uh, some more uh, reach for the show, and so you'll be hearing a lot more from us in the future. So I want to thank all my guests, uh, Dan, Corey, Annie, uh, Charles, and of course uh, Isis and Luke. Thanks, you guys, for joining me. This It's been fun. It's been a great season, and you can check out all of our articles, and you can check out Take the Black on winteriscoming.net. Uh, you can check out uh, bandits bamahammer.com if you're a football fan, fanatic college football it doesn't matter if you're, you're a bama fan or not he's got some great stuff over there uh you can listen to Corey and i's podcast uh if you're <laughs> if you're an arkansas fan which you're probably not you should be you can listen to our podcast and uh, on the arkansas sports radio you can catch isis on 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 her articles at lightly buzz you can catch her at tumblr you can catch her on twitter she's always interacting and if you have any complaints, send them to Turner Luke at Turner Luke at your complaint department. And you can check out Annie's uh, AnnieBundle.com, where she's got some great recaps of other shows, fashion, and just basic, generally entertainment news. So, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you in 2016. Good night and good luck. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.